0: I'm going to start in verse 9, and I will read through verse 13. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may be seated. Would you pray with me once again and ask God's blessing on his word? Let's pray. Lord Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. You hold all things in your hand, and you have great power at your disposal, for you're the king of kings. And so come by your Holy Spirit and tend to your word that we would hear your voice this morning. Maybe some of us For the first time, spiritually awaken us, grant us new life through your word, your living word this morning. Don't let it fall on deaf ears. And this is our prayer. Our praying savior, teach us to pray. We pray this in your name, amen. Well well I have this vision of the ideal world and, and always for every single one of us the ideal world that exists in our mind and the actual world never match up right? we all carry around in our minds actually deep in our hearts a version of what we think what we long for the world to look like And most of our frustrations in life are because the ideal world that we have deep in our hearts And the real world don't match up. And so, for instance, I get angry because in my mind, my ideal world should be that my house is always clean and my children obey me. And I get angry because my children don't do what I tell them to do. They are, at that moment, infringing on my ideal world. The real world and my ideal world are always in conflict with each other. So I could be dissatisfied. Contentment seems so far away from me it's elusive because in my ideal world I have a nicer house or a better career and when I don't get those things they seem so far out of reach that I get discouraged or depressed and so we all have this version of our ideal reality that we envision in our minds and it drives so much of what we do trying to get at the ideal reality and so this is a dangerous prayer because when I pray the second and third petition of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth when it, as it is in heaven, I am asking God to replace my ideal reality with His. I am praying the death of my ideal world because my ideal world isn't ideal enough. We don't dream big enough. We don't dream big enough about how this world can be. And so we need to be reshaped. We need to be reformed. Our imagination needs to grow that we would envision a much better world than any of us could ever imagine. And so we are learning to pray. That's what Jesus is doing. He's taking us to school. We're learning from the Son how to be children in our Father's house. So Jesus teaches us how to talk to the Father. And that's the easiest way to understand prayer. Children, we've said this almost every week. Prayer is just simply talking to God. Jesus teaches us as we talk to God to ask our Father in Heaven for things. So maybe we can say it this way. Prayer is talking to God about the things that we want. He's not just teaching us that we can ask God for the things that we want. He's also telling us The things that we should want. Shaping our affections, our want-tos, our desires. He's telling us what to ask for. And in doing so, he's teaching us priorities. We said last week that the Lord's Prayer, these six petitions, are divided up into two categories. Separated by two different pronouns. Your and our. First we pray, God, do these things For your name, bring your kingdom, your will be done, and then take care of our needs. Jesus is not just teaching us how to pray. He's shaping us. He's forming our want-tos. And so if we're going to pray the second petition, your kingdom come, and the third petition, your will be done, I think we need to have an understanding of what Jesus means when he says kingdom. I mean, if if this is what we're asking God, let your kingdom come. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven. We kind of have some idea of what he means when we say, what we he means when we pray, your kingdom. Sometimes the concept of the kingdom of God, oftentimes referred to in the scriptures as either the kingdom of God or just kingdom or kingdom of heaven, is in the forefront of Jesus' ministry, right? Over 103 times throughout the four gospels, the term kingdom or kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven come up. And not that that frequency of words always means importance, but in this case, it does. It's primary. In fact, if I were to ask you, what is the gospel? You would probably answer something along these lines. Jesus died for the forgiveness of sins so that I can go to heaven or by Jesus's death on the cross, I now have a relationship with God. And those would be really good answers. But that's just the starting point. See, the gospel is something so much bigger than just the forgiveness of sins. When Jesus bursts onto the scene, he goes throughout the northern region of Israel in the the towns of Galilee. And he's preaching a gospel-centered message But his gospel, according to earlier in the gospel of Matthew, in chapter 4, verse 23, was this, the gospel of the kingdom. Likewise, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus is going now through the southern region of Israel and Judea. And when the crowds are gathering around him because he's doing miracles, he's single-minded. I must preach the good news of the kingdom. And I think, as he preaches to these people who are saturated in the Old Testament Scriptures, we've got to go back to the original roots to understand what Jesus means when he says Kingdom. Because he's speaking to a particular people who had, when they heard the word Kingdom of God, something very particular in their minds. He's telling the Jews, this is it, you have been waiting for this day. All your history. This is the day that you have longed for. It is fulfilled. The kingdom is at hand. Which means you can't understand, as he's speaking to a particular people, with a particular conceptions. you can't understand what Jesus means when he says kingdom unless you understand the Old Testament. So you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. To Genesis chapter 1 so you understand what he means by kingdom because the garden of eden was god's garden kingdom this think about it this way the kingdom of god is the place where god is present with his people and his rule is realized and life flourishes and so god created this perfect little garden kingdom in eden And he put Adam and Eve there, their image bearers, which is regal names, it's royal names. You're little kings and little queens in my kingdom. Now take this kingdom and multiply it until it covers the whole earth. But Adam sinned, handed the kingdom of God over to another ruler. And Satan gained the kingdom where God was to be present with his people and lives were to flourish And God's rule was to be realized. And instead of life flourishing, when Adam sinned and handed the kingdom over to another ruler, all the world was under God's curse. God's gracious. And He's kind. He won't let His world be this way. He won't let it be ruled by the evil one and remain cursed. And so He promised shortly after to defeat the evil one and reestablish his presence with his people where his rule would be realized again and the world would once again flourish. He promised a restored kingdom. And Israel, you see, was the beginning. They were his people rescued out of the land of Egypt, brought into the promised land where he would dwell and they would live under his rule and live by his commands and be a blessing to the nations. They were a model of what it looks like to be a restored people with God in their presence, life would flourish. But Israel failed. They sinned like their father Adam. And so God made another future promise to restore His presence with His people and to write their law in His hearts and bring the end to all that was broken in the world. And the kingdom of God, therefore, is the place where God's reign puts everything back together in a terribly broken and sin-cursed world where God is present with his people and his reign is realized and the world flourishes. And you see, some only see this as the kingdom of God as a future reality that will come when Jesus returns. And it is that, but it is so much more than that. Because when Jesus came preaching that the good news which gospel means gospel is an announcement it's an announcement that a new king has taken his throne it's an announcement that the kingdom has come it's an announcement it's god's putting the world back together and he said this the time is fulfilled this is mark chapter 1 verse 15 the time is fulfilled right this is what everything has been building up to the kingdom of god is at hand therefore repent and believe the gospel Look at Jesus essentially saying, look, you've been waiting for this. God is here. How do I know? John's asking. John gets sent to prison. Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, gets sent to prison. And, he, and he, so he sends messengers to Jesus. He's like, how do I know that you're the king who's bringing the kingdom? And Jesus runs through the list of things. Look, the lame walk, the dead are raised, the blind see, demons are cast out. God's putting the world back together. He's making it flourish again. It's evidence that the kingdom is here. And so he placed something like the forgiveness of sins into the context of the kingdom of God. And it's such a bigger reality. It's a kingdom reality. By the work of the king, God's people are now rightly related to him. He established a kingdom by his death on the cross... He's reigning in heaven. He's been raised from that dead. Just this past week, if you followed church calendar, we celebrated Ascension Day, the day when the king has taken his throne in heaven and established a kingdom. And you see, when you have forgiveness of sins and you're born into God's kingdom, an actual kingdom transfer takes place. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. He, Jesus, by the work of ...by the Father, by the work of the Son... ...has delivered us from the domain of darkness. A domain is kingdom reality. And transferred us... ...into the kingdom... ...of God's beloved Son. And so the forgiveness of my sins... ...is is God ruling... ...and putting things back together... ...in my life. But it also... ...when I become a Christian... ...I've given new birth. The new creation has come... The kingdom reality has taken this residence. And God comes and makes me a new person. Sets me free from the dominion of sin. No longer am I a slave to sin. I'm now ruled by another king. And he produces flourishing in my life. Not only that. If the kingdom of God is where God is present with his people. And his reign is realized. And life flourishes. Then when the Holy Spirit takes up his abode with me. This is what I know. Jesus is here. In me, I'm raised to new life. Dwelt in by God, He's present. He's making me obey His commands, and my life flourishes. These are kingdom realities, evidence of the reign of Jesus. And so, I want you to hear this, though the kingdom. There's also a future reality to this. The kingdom is present in the person of Jesus. The kingdom is present. This church is reality of that. Jesus has conquered every one of us. None of us came to Jesus. Jesus came and conquered every one of us and made us his people. In the future, though, there's also a future reality. The kingdom is also coming. So, for instance, as I continue to grow as a Christian and God's dwelling proves fruitful in my life, 2 Peter says this there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's future language. Do you, the the kingdom came and jesus christ the king the kingdom continues as he conquers people for his name and makes sin and its curse eliminated in our lives and then he comes in a future reality and brings a new heaven and new earth the kingdom's inaugurated it continues and one day it will be consummated the present reality But it's also a future reality. And so this is what it means to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. We are asking God, put things back together. Things that are broken by sin need to be healed. And your hand is the only one that can do this. And so four things that we're praying for when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done. First, so if that's what kingdom means, this is what we're praying when we pray, your kingdom come. First, we're praying Jesus would come back, right? You You don't have to live long in this world to realize it's incredibly broken. Every baby is born into this world with a sense that things are not right. Babies are not born With a joyful laugh. They are born with a cry. And they continue and we continue to cry. All our lives. And at the end of the day it needs to be put back together. This deep sense that it's broken and cursed. And it needs to be put back together. But it needs to be put back together by a person. Policies and laws have their place. Social action can help. But it'll never put the sin-cursed world back together. It needs a person to come and put things right again. And the only one whose hand is strong enough to do that is the one who died a sinner's death, was raised to new life, reigns in heaven only one faithful enough that God will hand a kingdom to and we need that kingdom to come to put things right again and so we join as we pray your kingdom come we join with the apostle John who at the very end of the Bible prays this come Lord Jesus come you can hear a sighing soul I need relief and you're the only one who can bring it so come and bring the future kingdom and the final kingdom There will be no more sickness and death. And bombs will be turned into tractors. Things that were meant for destruction cause things to grow. That's the life of flourishing. Tears will be wiped away. Your bodies no longer wasting from sickness. Everything will be put back together in the most flourishing way. The most evidence of the flourishing that... The new kingdom brings us this. Not just that our circumstances get better. But our sin is no longer there. Jesus has eliminated it once and for all. And we will flourish forever for and ever with a satisfied hearts. Second, until that day, there's a lot more to pray for to the kingdom to come. So we pray for it in the meantime. So I'm praying for Jesus to come. But in the meantime... I'm not just kind of waiting that out. I want to see your kingdom manifest itself in this world today. It's a present reality. And so Jesus, as I pray your kingdom come, Father, I'm praying for conversions. I mean, Jesus' kingdom grows numerically. I mean, that's the message of a good portion of Jesus' parables. There are kingdom parables. He The kingdom of God is like, It's like seed that's sown into the ground and a tree grows out of it. And the birds of the air can find a nest there. Or the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed seeds and it grows. Or the kingdom of God is like leaven. It mixed into the dough and it grows. The expectation is that Jesus is present by his kingdom power working in this world. And as a result, we should expect to see more and more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. So the kingdom of God Grows when people come to faith in Christ. And what Jesus makes clear in Matthew 24 verse 14 is that he won't return until the gospel of the kingdom, that's his words, is proclaimed to the end of the earth. And then I'll come. One author put it this way. So said, the most crucial battle for the kingdom is won every time a human being repents. ...and believes Jesus... ...and then submits to his lordship as the king... ...he becomes the new center for a reordering of life on earth... ...as it is in heaven. Repentance, you see, is the most dynamic... ...inrush of the kingdom within ordinary history. When we repent, we enter the kingdom... ...and the kingdom enters history. You might struggle to share the gospel with your friends... ...and neighbors or family members. The opportunity presents itself... And you find yourself like, like, that was a great opportunity for the gospel. I'm too afraid of what they're going to think. But do you see what you're doing when you pray this? You are bringing the kingdom into reality as you pray for conversions. I have a role. I don't have to be the best evangelist around. There's a place for some to water, some to sow, some will get the harvest. I don't have to be the best, but I can do this. Every one of us, Father, bring your kingdom by causing people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Keep a list of people you pray for specifically. Pray for them frequently as a family. You don't have to learn to share the gospel with everybody and be perfect at it, but you can pray specifically that Jesus the King would come and enter into the hearts of people that you love And have contact with on a daily basis and see their lives set free from the curse of sin and made into a new creation, to see the kingdom rush into their lives and reorient it. The king has solicited your help. You get a chance to share in his power world conquering, life changing, kingdom building power in conversions. And you have a chance, an opportunity to share in that work. Okay, so pray your kingdom come, your will be done. We are praying, thirdly, that the scriptures would do their work. Or miraculously, that God's kingdom power would be manifest in this world through his word. So that lives would be changed. And Jesus, again, he tells these multiple kingdom parables. And one of them, he says, the kingdom of God is like a man who scatters seed. And then it produces a harvest 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold that which is sown. And Jesus doesn't interpret many of his parables. But this one he does. And he says, the seed is the word. And when it's scattered, it produces the kingdom fruit. This is how the kingdom power of God is. ...is experience. God puts broken things... ...back together through... ...His Word. Just as He created the world... ...by the Word of His power... ...He now recreates... ...put this world back together... ...puts our lives back together... ...by that same Word. So we're praying... ...God make Your Word... ...bear incredible fruit... ...with power kingdom of God does not consist of words, Paul says, but in power. So we're praying, God, tend to your word with power. Put people's lives, broken, sin-cursed lives back together. This, this word is how addicts are healed. This word is how marriages are restored. This word puts to death anxiety and produces contentment. This word takes the most hardened heart and makes it come alive. Nations rise and fall at the word of the Lord. This is the sword that the king uses. This is his greatest tool. And so where you are most helpless and most hopeless, pray for the kingdom to come by the power of God. Find the most hopeless helpless, broken schools, neighborhoods, families in town, and then pray for God's word to come in and reclaim lives, reclaim whole homes for Jesus Christ. Again, imagine the image repeated throughout the prophets. It's a beautiful picture. We caught it, glimpses of it in Isaiah 42. This is what God does. I'm coming, and I'm going to make Flowers bloom in the desert. I'm going to make valleys rise up and mountains melt before me so that my people might come and have my word. And so we pray, Father, just as the rain comes from heaven, and what it does is it takes the barren ground and makes fruit grow. As the rain comes from heaven... And takes the most desolate places and produces flourishing. Come by your word. Make your word powerful. So that the most broken places can be whole. By your word, redeem the most helpless situation. Thirdly, we're praying that the scriptures, this almost this needed a separate section. We're moving, transitioning now into your will be done. Your kingdom your will they're married together we want to see in earth what we see in heaven life properly oriented around you where your word flourishes and lives are put together I want to see that that's what's in heaven right now I want to see that on earth your name is held up and you're a gracious God you have loved ones who died in Christ they're gathered around the throne of heaven right now casting crowns at Jesus' feet and saying Worthy are you because you're the lamb That was slain for my sins Their whole lives are consumed with praise For his graciousness I want to see that on earth So we're asking that the kingdom power Manifests itself with a deep knowledge Of the scriptures That leads to a growing Willingness to submit to God's will Okay An aside when the bible refers to God's will It usually means two things One, his eternal plan to put the world back together. To take the sin-cursed world and make his kingdom grow and flourish there. That's one way that refers to the will of God. The other way that refers to the will of God is the revealed will of his scriptures. And you see this in Deuteronomy 29, 29... The secret things belong to the Lord your God. His eternal plan, he doesn't let us know that belongs to God. He's got that in his mind. Seldom does he make it known. But the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. And so when we pray, Lord Jesus, I want to know your will. His answer back is, read my Bible I mean, the question, that changes the question from how can I, God, tell me how I can marry the right person. It changes the question to, Father, how can I be faithful to whatever person I marry? Instead of praying, God, put me in the right job so that I don't, everything goes easy for me and I don't have to suffer and, and be frustrated all the time. It changes it. God, help me to obey your word in such a way that I can be faithful in whatever job you put me in. Help me to be content wherever I am. The secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the things written in his word. So we're praying. I want to know it. I want to know it deeply. Fourthly, we're also praying that the scriptures would be obeyed in our lives. Again, I've said each of these prayers is a dangerous prayer. My goal for us is that when we pray this every Sunday, our lips would almost tremble with expectation. God's going to do something. He's going to reorient my life. This is going to make a mess out of things if I pray this. That we would no longer just kind of go through the motions at the end and say the Lord's Prayer without... Really thinking about it. These are dangerous prayers. And if I'm praying, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and the kingdom would come into my life with power, then I'm asking God to make me obedient to Him. Prayer is always born out of helplessness. Only helpless people pray. We pray because we need Jesus' help. And we pray this prayer because we're not naturally inclined. None of us are naturally inclined. To love and obey the word of god And see what happens when you become a christian the reign of sin is overthrown and that just starts the war i was fine sinning before jesus came into my life i had no i didn't struggle with sin sin and me were just fine together jesus comes into my life sets me free from the reign of sin sets me on a new path puts his spirit in me and the war starts the conflict begins Sin is like an insurgent terrorist in our souls seeking to wipe out any presence of God's reign. And so when we pray, Father, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm praying by the death of Jesus, overcome the insurgent sin in my heart that I might submit fully and totally to Jesus' reign. It, if we pray this, if, if God would do this, it would require that we die a thousand deaths to our ambition. It necessarily means we're going to have to submit all of our ambitions to the death of Jesus. This is what he pray. He's in the gardens looking at the cross. Father, is any other way. Let that be the way. And the Father says the cross is the way. Then comes the crown. It's an acknowledgement that Jesus is not the sugar daddy in the sky who just gives us whatever he wants, whatever we want. In fact, God, and He said, We need to hear this. If we're going to pray this. We need to hear this. So I'm going to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I'm praying for obedience in my life. God established his kingdom through death, and he only grows his kingdom through suffering. This is the way of our king, and it's the pattern of his kingdom. If the king learned obedience, Through suffering, Hebrews 5, 8, then his kingdom people will too. too. Trials refine us, don't they? First the cross, then the crown. And I'm praying, God, afflict me so I can be healed. It's going to take you bringing suffering in my life to reorient my whole life. Seldom does change come unless suffering is experienced. Break me, not just so that I can flourish, But the pattern of the cross, break me so that by my life, my re-flourishing, put back together, life delivered from sin, I can be a blessing to others. That's the pattern of the kingdom. Break me, heal me, so I can go serve. God always produces flowers in the desert. He always produces water from rocks. He always provides manna in the wilderness. And so if you want to grow in obedience to his word, You first have to go into the wilderness. But do so with expectation. This is where the kingdom is experienced. If you're in the midst of suffering now, you should pull back and go, whoa, God's up to something, and I can't wait to see what he produces. Because I belong to a kingdom now with a very definitive pattern. Things will always get better. He will always change me. I won't be this way. But he's going to do it through suffering. That's the kingdom we belong to. Flowers in the desert. New life from the curse. This is the pattern of the king and the way of his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we would ask that you would teach us to pray with expectation. Let's be a people who not only long to experience your power, but pray until we experience your power. Come into our lives, Lord Jesus. Maybe some of us, again, for the first time today, would experience the new life of your kingdom breaking into their lives. And we would pray that by your word, You would make disciples in our county, bringing people to you, and growing people in obedience. We pray this, our King, in your name. Amen.